0: Dr. Peaky. Welcome to the Peaky Channel. Today, it's time to pique my interest. Are there signs that your partner may be looking into rings to propose to you soon? Are you wanting your partner to propose to you? Or is it imminent that you yourself are going to propose to your partner? If so, let's go back to the basics on diamonds. I'm not a gemologist, but I'm highly considering becoming one in my next life. Observing diamonds for a living sounds so much fun to me right now. Make sure to stick around until the end because I've prepared some tips you won't want to miss. While on the brink of getting engaged myself, I've done so much research on this. Y'all, listen. I have not studied so hard like this since post-college where I went through another four years of schooling. Yes, after undergrad, I did another four years of graduate school to earn my doctorate. And I definitely did not read my textbooks more than once if I didn't have to. To my defense back then there was too much to study anyway, so I moved on quick there was also no time. With at least three exams a week, I was struggling, but excerpts on diamonds, I'll read, study, pour through photos at least several times. They're nice to look at. Wouldn't you agree? I got to share with you that I dug and dug and dug on this material because I wanted to be prepared when I get asked what I want. At least the one who wants to propose usually asks what the other wants, right? Long ago, I actually had this thought flicker in my mind that my boyfriend might not ask. Not sure what I think about that. No, I take it back. (laughs) I do. Because if someone typically gets one engagement ring in a lifetime, not usually more than two, or three or four, but you you get what I mean. It's not often and I wasn't too keen on having to ask him to maybe switch it out for something else. (laughs) Anyway, the fundamentals. I'm going to try my best to simplify everything for you. It can get kind of complicated as you learn more. Here we go. Last episode, I briefly mentioned that diamonds have an ID number. These ID numbers are unique to each diamond that is graded and they can be used to search the diamonds report card on their corresponding graders directory. Probably the most common graders are GIA, Gemological Institute of America, and IGI, which stands for International Gemological Institute. I'll insert the links to their websites in the episode description. Feel free to go browse while you listen. Just promise me you'll stay on. By the way, don't forget to look at the report cards because they are regarded as the certificate for your diamond. Basically, it's to prove that your diamond is what it is and the only identifying connection that your diamond has to its report card is the ID number engraved on it. Try not to lose the report card either because GIA won't replace it. For a diamond that does not have an ID number yet, it's a good idea to put it through the grading process. You can take it to IGI or other agencies and have them either appraise and or grade it, then engrave an ID number and everything. There is unfortunately a fee for this. GIA is one example agency that will not appraise, but you can send in your diamond for a grading and analysis report to confirm quality characteristics. So easiest of all is to know the shapes. After clicking around myself, I realized that I liked the round diamonds the most, but there's also oval, pear, cushion, emerald, princess, marquise, heart, and probably more. They're all incredibly beautiful. Ugh, that shine though. If I didn't prepare an outline on this episode, I think I would have a hard time staying focused. Now let's talk about the four C's. You may or may not have heard of it before. These are the distinguishing characteristics of diamonds that are evaluated gingerly by the renowned diamond rating organizations called GIA and IGI that I mentioned earlier. There are some differences in how these organizations rate their gems but we're just going to get our feet wet today so let's table that for now. From what I've seen, many diamonds are rated by either GIA or IGI and some are rated by both. And again, from what I've personally seen, the ones ID'd by GIA tend to be more expensive for their 4C levels compared to the diamonds with the same 4C levels but ID'd by IGI. And for those of you who also want to consider resale value and resale eligibility, a tip to know is that sadly some buyback entities will not accept IGI graded diamonds nor lab created diamonds. I know this because I was curious about one I was heavily weighing in on to purchase. After looking up a few places that buy back diamonds, I filled out the paperwork and submitted it for review. The feedback that I got for the IGI diamond was that they don't unfortunately take diamonds created by IGI. That's how I found this out. The other diamond was in fact accepted, and that one was graded by GIA. Just keep that in mind. The four C's are not in any particular order, so let's begin with the diamond cut. C for cut. This is the wow factor. One of the most important ratings for a diamond of quality is the cut, because this is In other words, the diamond sparkle rating. (laughs) Needless to say, the higher the rating, the sparklier. The brilliance of a diamond is right here. (sighs) The razzle dazzle. Okay, let me stop. GIA assesses diamond cut through four levels. Excellent, very good, good, and poor. Since this is an area of priority for me, I tend to filter my diamond selections to excellent cut. The second C is diamond color, C for color. There's quite a bit to say about this, so stay with me. GIA rates their diamonds on a scale from D as colorless and all the way down to Z which represents color in shades of yellow, gray or brown typically. The color scale is broken down into five sort of subsections. Starting with D again, D through F are what's considered colorless, G through J are near colorless, K through M are faint, N through R are very light, And finally, S through Z are in the light subsection. Beware though, some diamonds are given what's called treatment, which can affect the color appearance by making it more colorless. When a diamond gets treatment, the seller is legally required to disclose this. Sometimes, even if the diamond has a brown or gray undertone, it won't show up. As so on the grading report. That's because there is a grading rule that says for diamond colors J and above, grading laboratories are not to include this. There's a really useful chart that summarizes this rule. It's called the Color Grade Terminologies Boundaries. Also, while we're on the subject of color let's talk about fluorescence. When UV rays hit the diamond, the emitted light is what diamond fluorescence refers to and often is blue. The intensity rating for this factor will range from faint to very strong. It's commonly thought that the yellower diamonds with fluorescence appear more colorless, but this is temporary. That's why in the gem society, it is only listed as an identifier for the diamond and concluded to have little impact, if any, on the actual diamond color. Keep in mind that this fluorescence characteristic is not a grading factor. Only the four Cs are. I, in fact, looked in person a J color diamond with strong blue fluorescence. Some people stray away from this, but I thought the blue emission was super pretty, and the diamond honestly appeared quite colorless to me. That actually brings me to the next key point I wanted to make in this color section. Even though the diamond may be rated K, for example, the faintness to the naked eye is not as apparent as it is in the photo of the diamond. That same diamond rated J did not look yellow to me as much as it did in the imaging of it up super close. So rest assured there's no need to be disappointed if the D ratings are not in your price range. You could definitely be looser in this section and still get that shiny stone in your possession. The third C is the diamond carrot. Do you like the sound of The bigger the diamond, the better for you? Or does a smaller diamond sound great, but with higher ratings on the other characteristics? You take your pick. But carrot refers to the weight of the stone. The larger the number, the heavier, and thus bigger diamond. Mm, I don't know about you, but I like the sound of that. Diamond clarity. This is the fourth C out of the four we'll discuss. Diamond clarity is essentially diamond purity. What blemishes are present dictates the clarity rating. Starting from the most pure, the rating starts at flawless, then VVS1, which stands for very, very slightly, then VVS2, VS1, which is very slightly, VS2, SI1, or slightly, SI2, and so forth. Don't freak out if you see multiple flaws on the diamond grading report, they are very difficult to see with the naked eye. To give you some perspective, I am optically impaired, as do all contact lens and eyeglass wearers though, if you didn't know, but my eyes are considered not too bad. The prescription strength for my contact lens is negative 1.75. For short-sighted people like myself, the highest corrective power is negative 12, and an estimated average of most people who are negative 6. The ability to distinguish colors was never an issue either for me at my visits to optometry. I do, however, have other medical issues that I'll go into on another episode though. The point is the flaws are hard to see for the human eye. Remember when I look at diamonds, I'm pouring through the pages. I look at it this way and then I look at it that way. And still it was not easy. This is another section you can be looser onto if needed. Diamonds are not cheap. If I had to recommend, I'd say, try to stick with VS2 and up. So for my ring, I chose VVS1 because on the diamond report, there was just one flaw drawn and it was so near the edge of the stone that I thought it would be as if it was flawless. Hot tip here is you can even ask your retailer to try to hide the flaw with the prong of your setting when they mount your diamond to it. My second hot tip is to always view the grading report. This is where you'll find a blown-up computerized drawing of what flaws are present, where they're located on the diamond, and how they appear magnified. It goes down to the detail you'll want to know. So we talked about choosing diamonds, but now let's switch gears and talk about the ring band that they are set on. Rings can be divided in several ways. For one, you can organize all of them, by the metal they're made with. That's your gold, silver, platinum, and rose gold. Or you can filter ring settings by style, where the design used to mount your stone varies. You can also mix and match the ones I'm about to list out too. Definitely go take a look at some images after, or even during. It'll help you understand better what I'm about to try to describe One of the most common and simplest setting is solitaire. This one essentially is a metal band with no particular designs on it. You can further specialize the prong area though. My top choice is the lotus flower solitaire, where the prongs that hold up the diamond are shaped like the petals of a flower. There's also basket solitaire and a few others. The halo setting is one where the center stone is encircled by smaller diamonds, giving the ring an ethereal look. This can often make the diamond appear large from far away. The pave setting has smaller diamonds that are so-called paved into the band. This will be my pick for the wedding band. I really like my diamond set on a simple solitaire band, but I'd like it matched with a wedding band that has small diamonds to give the overall combination of bands some extra sparkle. The channel setting features smaller diamonds on the band just like the pave setting, but they are sort of walled by the metal band, as if they look encased on both sides. Another favorite of many is the cathedral setting. This one resembles the arches of a cathedral. It tends to be termed to look sophisticated and classic. All I can say is it's gorgeous. There's a couple more, but I'll close this part out with the three stone setting. This setting flanks the center stone with another stone on each side of it. It's a great setting for those who want to install two more stones to complement the center one. Now that you're more familiar with the types of ring settings that exist, could you imagine all the different mixing and matching of each to create a whole new style? Can you tell that I'm also one of those girls who scroll through photos of diamond rings endlessly? (laughs) It's amazing how time seems to fly when I do. So, did you learn something today? I hope you did. I'll talk to you on the next one. Bye for now.